welcome to Back Porch Bible Studies, where friends come and talk about what the Bible says about our God. My name is Deborah Geisels, and I'll be your host on this weekly podcast. You know, it's been said that the heart can't love what the mind doesn't know. So here, we'll study to know our God, and to know Him is to love Him. So, grab a drink and settle in for an afternoon of catching up and talking about our great God. Welcome, friend, to my back porch. Well, today we're going to talk about the fellowship of the mystery. So we're going to start, if you'll get your Bibles open, Ephesians 3, 1 through 12. I know that's a big chunk of verses, but I think they come together in basically three parts. The first part is going to talk about Paul's stewardship. And then we're going to talk about the mystery. I know we've talked about the mystery before. Back in Ephesians 1, he just snitch. I think it's verse 10 in, in chapter 1. He has just a little and about the mystery. And then he comes here, he says in 3, which I mentioned briefly before, and now he's going to open it up a little bit more and unpack it. So we're going to talk about, like I said, the stewardship of Paul's preaching and the fellowship of the mystery. And the third part we're going to talk about is the purpose of the mystery, which for me was a whole new perspective on things. And, and I can't wait for us all to get there. So let's read these verses out loud before we get started. I'm going to be reading this out of the New American Standard Version 95. So, Paul says, For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, if indeed you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace, which was given to me for you, that by revelation there was made known to me the mystery, as I wrote before in brief. By referring to this, when you read, you can understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which in other generations was not made known to the sons of men, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets in the Spirit. What's the mystery? To be specific, I love that. To be specific, because so far he hasn't been very specific with the mystery. He says in verse 6, to be specific that the Gentiles are fellow heirs and fellow members of the body and fellow partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel, which I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me according to the working of his power. To me, the very least of all saints. You kind of hear Paul's humility. Can't you just see him go, really? He gave it to me. The very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unfathomable riches of Christ, which is Ephesians 1 and 2, right? He, did, he talked about the unfathomable riches of Christ. And then to bring to light what the administration of the mystery, which is now Ephesians 3, he's about to explain which for ages has been hidden in God who created all things so that, and every time we see so that, we know there's your purpose. This was done so that. So, so that the manifold wisdom of God might be made known through the church to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This, the mystery, was in accordance with the eternal purpose which he carried out in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness, and confident access through faith in him. 
That's what we're going to cover today. So we're going to take the first five verses. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus for the Gentiles. During his time in Rome, Paul was in prison. That's where he's writing this letter. He's in prison under house arrest. In, in that day, he was free to move around the house, but he had to be supervised by the soldiers. Every night, he was chained to a soldier to make sure he didn't escape from his trial before Caesar. Yet he himself refers to himself not as a, as a prisoner of Rome, which house arrest, chained to a soldier at night, would make you think that enslavement had to be very upfront in his mind. And so when he pens this letter, he says... He saw himself as a prisoner of Jesus Christ. The fact that he even sees his imprisonment in Rome as a blessing, because he tells us that a little bit later in this chapter, set in back verse 13, don't be discouraged by my imprisonment. Don't worry about it. I, I'm here for you, Gentiles. And who's in the house of Caesar? <laughs> Whole bunch of Gentiles. So you know Paul is still ministering to those soldiers He's still getting the gospel out. And while he's under house arrest, he's thinking about that. He's like, really? My heart is enslaved to Jesus Christ. I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ. I think it's important for us to keep that perspective. No matter what he went through for the sake of the gospel, it was all for Jesus. And Jesus' calling on Paul's life was to the Gentiles. That was, that was his assignment. The entire reason he was under arrest and awaiting trial was because of his ministry efforts to the Gentiles. Paul suffered for the very truth he would explain to the Ephesians, and this did not make him back down one bit. So the last thing Paul wanted was people to feel sorry for him because he was in prison. He wanted his readers to realize that it was a benefit for them that he was in prison. The next phrase in Ephesians 1 verses 1 through 2, he says, you have heard of the stewardship of the grace of God, which was given to me for you. This stewardship, in different translations, one of them says this dispensation. One version says this administration. So what is this stewardship? What does he mean by stewardship? It's the implementation of the strategy. That God had a strategy for implementing the gospel. So this stewardship, Paul by using the word stewardship and this dispensation, in the Greek, this word means that the implementation of the strategy. He is responsible to carry out the strategy. He's going to get all as gushy as Paul can get. And he starts with it with the least of these. I'm, I was called the least of these. And he'll talk about how he gets to give the gospel this mystery. Because from ages past... It had been kept a secret. That's the mystery part of the mystery. From the foundations of the earth, we get little glimpses from, from the beginning of time, from Genesis all the way through, little glimpses. When, when he says to Abraham that you will be to the Jews and to all the nations. Do you know what Gentile means in Hebrew? Is nations. In Greek, it's Gentile. When you're reading the Old Testament to realize that nation is the same as Gentiles and in the New Testament to realize that Gentiles is the same as nations. Well, somebody could have opened that up earlier for me. <laughs> but I want you to think about this. Paul says, I am a steward of the grace of God, which was given to me 
for you. So Paul's been called to this, this stewardship, this management of the strategy. It is the strategy that from the beginning, this is how redemption has unfolded. And Paul is like, he called me. He called little old me to share this secret that has always been part of the strategy of God's redemption. So understanding that the mystery is the strategy of redemption that is now being revealed. Paul was excited. And I think when he penned this letter to the Ephesians, he's like, guys, we are at the unveiling of this strategy. We're, we're right at that point in, in history, and it's been there from all generations. There's tons of verses in the Old Testament talking about how God would come to the nations. That means that God would come to the Gentiles. All right. The next thing he says is that by revelation, he made known to me. <laughs> Paul's like, in verse 3, he says that by the revelation, there was made known to me the mystery, as I wrote before in brief in chapter 1. By referring to this, when you read, you can understand my insight into the mystery of Christ. All right, he says that by revelation, God has made known to me the mystery. Paul's like, dude, I am not making this up. <laughs> this, is, this isn't something that I got all by myself. In fact, I am a Hebrew among Hebrews, a Pharisee among Pharisees. Paul was not an unlearned Jew. He was as learned as you're going to get, and he didn't get the mystery. And now God has said, Paul, let's tell him. Let's tell him what we've been planning. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit have been planning since the beginning of time. Paul's like, Paul didn't hesitate to claim that the mystery he will reveal was given to him by revelation. Paul was a, was a Jewish man, and he knew the, the Torah. But he says, I'm not smart. I'm not in intelligent. God had to reveal this in my heart. And he revealed it to several of the Jews. God reveals it to Paul. He didn't only reveal it to him, but he also revealed it to Peter. Remember, he revealed to Peter in Acts chapter 11, 1 through 18. Remember when Peter's on the rooftop and the sheet comes down? God reveals to him this mystery, that this has always been his plan of salvation. And in that, Paul recognizes that he was called, was called to preach to the nations, to the Gentiles, while Peter was to remain giving the mystery, the, the gospel, to the Jews. And so Peter stays in Jerusalem and Paul goes into all the nations to preach it. He also revealed this mystery in prophecy in the Old Testament. And, and there's a whole bunch of places, but one place is for us to go to Isaiah 49. In verse six of Isaiah 49, he says, it is too small a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved ones of Israel. And then he goes on to say, I will also make you a light of the nations. Nations is the same word as Gentiles. Gentiles. So that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. We can see here that the revelation of the mystery has always been there. Has always been there. And Paul and Peter are on the telling of the mystery. 
they're revealing how all of the Old Testament history, stories, all of that comes together to open up to all the nations. And I, I don't know, I love to teach God's word, but I can't imagine being one of the guys that says to the whole world, guess what? You're all in. You all can come to Jesus. All of y'all can come to Jesus. And I just can't imagine how Peter and Paul and the disciples who are now understanding this mystery must have felt with that gift of ministry to show that Jesus came to fulfill all that was laid before them in the Old Testament. I mean, as a preacher, forget being a preacher, as a human being, to be given that stewardship, to be given that opportunity to share the gospel in ways that it had never been opened up before. I mean, doesn't that just give you goosebumps? Paul must have just been beside himself in humility to think that God had entrusted him with that. Jesus stopped him on the road to Damascus and said, hey, I got a job for you. Let's get your thinking straight and you'll be off. And then if you run over to Acts 1.8, some of you will know what that verse is without even going there. But I want to read it in the Bible so we don't forget that it's really there. Jesus is preaching and he he says he's gathering them together. He commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for, the, for what the Father had promised, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you would be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they were asking him, Lord, is it at this time you are restoring the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or epochs which the Father has fixed by his own authority but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria, even to the remotest parts of the earth. Even Jesus is proclaiming the unveiling of this mystery. That's just exciting to me. It's exciting to think about what Paul was changing history, spiritual history. Our spiritual legacy is wrapped up in this, this mystery so much today is on our ancestry. I mean, you can get all these apps to find out where your people are from. But this, this is our, our history as believers, Jewish believers and Gentile believers. This is our history. This is where we came from and how God unfolded it. He goes on to say in verse 8, because we're just talking about Paul's stewardship here. So I'm going to skip a couple verses and we'll go back to them in a minute. He says, to me, the very least of all saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unfathomable riches of Christ and to bring to light what is the administration of the mystery, which for ages has been hidden in God who created all things. So I like what Spurgeon says here when, when Paul says to me, the very least of all these, Charles Spurgeon, a theologian, writes, but while Paul was thankful for his office, his success in it greatly humbled him. The fuller a vessel becomes, the deeper it sinks in the water. The plenitude of grace is a cure for pride. Isn't that good? And you know Paul was humbled by this. You know he had to be because this is big stuff. Paul goes on to say that, that I should preach. In the ancient Greek, the word preach literally means to announce the good news. Well, I bet he wanted to preach that. 
because that was some good news for people who have never heard it, who had never heard it. They had watched, and I keep thinking about the little gal coming out of Jericho, Rahab, Rahab the harlot, comes out of Jericho, and she says, I've heard what God has done for you people. I've heard, and I want it. I want it. You hear Ruth saying that to Naomi. I, I see your God. I want your God, and I will follow you that I might know your God. Your God will be my God. Rahab was a Gentile from the nations, and Ruth was a Gentile from the nations. And they, they kept watching God do his lavish love on this nation of Israel. And they're like, I want that. So the Gentiles have been seeing it. They have been seeing God work for unfaithful people and, and not have access. And now Paul is saying, you have access. You can come to the Father the same way the Jews did, through faith. And that's what the whole letter of Ephesians is about, is the revealing of the mystery, how it has always been there. And now what does that look like? Because we've done life from Genesis till now a certain way. But what does this new secret being told look like? What is the administration of this mystery? Paul's excited. This mystery is like great riches for the Gentiles. They can now come before God in, in a standing they could only dream of before. Okay, if Paul tried to figure out the greatness of, of God's grace, it would be like he started walking the shoreline of a lake, only to find out that he needed to cover the ocean shores, that God's grace was so much bigger than just a lake full of grace. It was an ocean full of grace. And so he's... He's just overwhelmed with it. And he says, to bring to light the administration of, of the mystery, having been entrusted with such riches, Paul's passion was to make this gospel known to all people. I love Paul's heart because it's to all people. He knows that his calling is to the Gentiles, but if you watch what he does, every city he goes to, where does he go first? Synagogue. To the synagogue. Absolutely. He's going to the Jew first, and then to the Gentile. He wants everybody to see and share in the fellowship of this mystery. Okay, you gotta look at this. Paul writes next in verses six and seven, he says, to be specific that the Gentiles are fellow heirs and fellow members of the body and fellow partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. There is a fellowship of the mystery. Do you see that? The mystery was God loving lavishly and redeeming the Jews to redeem all of Israel. That has been his heart. Were they all redeemed? No, it was only the believing Jews. That this fellowship is only with the believing Jews. And Paul's like, We're, you're, you're in fellowship with them now. Paul's so cool. He had to have been not only a man of great intellect, but he had a handle on the, the language like few others do. And there are some words in the New Testament that Paul kind of makes up. We see here these three words. He puts together his own little wording. And so Paul, I love Paul. Here Paul clearly explains the content of the Spirit's revelation of the mystery that the Gentiles are now joined with the believing Jews in one body. In order to make the mystery clear, Paul coins three words, <laughs> two words 
of which are used nowhere else in the New Testament. You got to love that about Paul. Why? Why is that important? Because I think the Holy Spirit put into Paul a better way to explain this. The word is this fellow. That fellow means with. It's a with word. But there are two types of with words in the Greek. One of them is meta, M-E-T-A. It's a preposition. It means with one another. So we're in this room together with each other. We're in this room with someone. The other word is together with. It's a preposition S-U-N. Instead of meta being with, it's sun, S-U-N. And it means not only are we together with one another, but we are so mixed in that nobody can tell the difference. We think of our fellow as fellow heirs more like a meta fellow, right? We think of it as we get it with them. But what Paul uses here is that you are fellow heirs, that you're mixed in with the Jews, you can't even tell who's who anymore. Here's an example that might drive this point a little deeper into our thinking. You know when you make cookies, you have the eggs and the flour and the sugar and the chocolate chips, and we're gonna make cookies. You can lay them all out on the cookie sheet and they would be with each other. But if you put them in the bowl, can you tell a difference between the sugar and the egg and the flour? But that's the sun with, understand? And that so mixed together, you can't tell the difference. Last week, we talked about remembering and how important it is to remember that we are no longer separate, but that we are one body. Even in these words, even in the Greek words, Paul is teaching us through the power of the Holy Spirit that if you are a believer in Jesus Christ and the cross work of Jesus Christ and you have faith in him, and we talked about faith being three parts, right? A mind that is convinced that he is who he says he is, a heart that is conformed to that and a commitment to him to live it out. Then if that's the case, then anybody who comes in that same sense, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except by me. If anybody, any color, any nationality, any background, any sinfulness comes, from God's perspective, he didn't see a difference between me and her. He doesn't see the difference between me and the thief that was hanging on the cross. Because we came in faith believing. Now we're going to have different life stories. We're going to have a different relationship with Jesus Christ. But in God's eyes, whether Jew or Gentile, which is all human beings, because you are either Jew or of the nations, are going to be of one body, mixed together so that you can't see the difference. That should change the way we address other people. If they are in Christ, we are fellow heirs with them. And we should treat them as such, even though we come with different baggage, even though we come with maybe some misaligned knowledge. The starting point is Jesus Christ. And, and from then on, it is a grace-growing issue. The biblical theological word is sanctified. It's the conforming to Christ. It's the being purged so that we can be holy as he is holy. But we all have things that we need to weed out that are wrong thinking, wrong actions. That doesn't mean we're not saved.
The other part of this sun, this prefix, is that it means it describes the co-member or one member who is a member of a group with the emphasis upon the coordinating relationship to other members in the group. This describes the mystery itself, that believing Jews and believing Gentiles are joined together into one body of Christ, into one church, and no longer separated before God. Ladies, I think it's critical that we get that in our minds. I know we don't talk to a lot, probably, probably none of us have very many Jewish friends who are separating themselves from us, right? We don't experience that. But we do experience the body of Christ separating itself from one another. We do have issues with other denominations, other God-fearing denominations who do believe in coming to, coming to God through Jesus Christ. And we do have a problem with that. We love to stay in our own little bubbles. Why is that such a point for me? Because I feel like the enemy is going to try to separate the body of Christ. We saw it during the pandemic. We saw how even with our own, even within your own church, there was separation. What things separated us? Space. Being quarantined separated us. Vaccination, whether you were vaccinated, broke into even the community of God. And that separated us. Ladies, the enemy is always going to want to separate and isolate. That's how you win a battle. That's the most successful way to win a battle. If we don't lock arms with other believers and come in to this understanding of the revelation of the mystery, we're going to miss what we need now in our culture. And that's a locking arms with one another. That if we are in Christ, if we were raised with him by the Father, we need to stop this pettiness that I can't, I can't listen to her. I can't talk with them because they do this. You know, you know what I think would be really healthy for us is to take a month of Sundays and visit different churches to worship with our girls up in the city, to worship with one another who are in different churches. Why? Because we have done the same things that the Jews have done in the, in the New Testament here. We have isolated and secluded ourselves from the body of Christ. Now, I am not saying that we need to be tolerant of wrong doctrine. I am not saying that. What I am saying is that we need to recognize that if somebody is in Christ, they are part of the body. From there, we can grow in truth. The enemy wants to separate and divide. So if we're going to fight him, we need to get over some of our prejudices that come naturally by staying in bubbles. All right. Fellow partakers. So we understand that that is that, that same thing. We are joint partakers of something, a sharing with or a co-sharer or co-participant, but partakers of the promise. Now, what is that? That's a question that the Jews wanted to know and the Gentiles. Like, do we get everything that the Jews get? Everything that God promised to the Jews? Well, let's explore that for a minute. He's talking about spiritual Israel here that we are partakers of the promise, the spiritual aspect of it. In other words, he's talking about the Israel that has come by faith in Jesus Christ into the family, into the kingdom, into the holy temple of God himself. 
Paul's saying to those Gentiles in, in Ephesus, it was revealed to me and then explained to me very specifically that you are allowed in. God stopped, Paul's saying this, right? God stopped me on the road of Damascus. He commissioned me and made me an apostle out of due season. I am preaching something to you that God revealed to me. Do not take this for granted. Gentiles, you have been allowed in. You are fellow heirs, fellow members of the body, and fellow partakers of the promise. That's not the riches, not the reasons, not the revelation. That's the responsibilities of our salvation. And they are based on everything Paul has said in the first three chapters. If you don't get this down pat, you'll never understand why there's so much responsibility on Christians to live as God wants them to live. So partakers of the promise is the redemption that we get through Jesus Christ. When we talk about the promises to Israel, there are promises to the nation of Israel that Gentiles don't get. We'll be benefactors because we've been grafted in, we've been adopted in, but those promises were to the Jews. And partakers of the promise, what is the promise that he's referring to here? The redemption of Jesus Christ, that we have access to the Father. So I think it is, I think it's relevant to us today. I think what the Jews and the Gentiles were battling with here in the revelation of the, the mystery and being fellow heirs and fellow partakers in the, in the promises, I think that was, a, I don't think we've outgrown it. And that's why I think the letter of Ephesians is so relevant to us today. I sure hope you're enjoying our study in Ephesians. I know I am. Paul's teaching us so much about what it means to be in Christ and with Christ and to be part of his body that he has joined the Jews and the Gentiles together in this great mystery. I hope you'll join us next time as we cover the third part of this study of Ephesians 3, 1 through 12, the purpose for the mystery. See you next time. Back Porch Bible Studies is a ministry of women in Christian leadership. You can find this podcast on your favorite podcast form or go to womeninchristianleadership.com to find the many ways women in Christian leadership can help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Back Porch Bible Studies would like to thank their sponsor, the faith-based business of Millennium Metals in business to serve Christ.